Episode 7, Season 1 of Future Sounds FN. I'm delighted to be joined on the panel by Tom, Rob and Patrick Fakeman. Tom, fresh from the strangest DJ set I think I've ever heard of. Uh, Mr. Fakeman from an epic summer boat party followed by what sounds like the journey home mm. from hell. And Rob, well, Rob's been to a musical, yeah. but more on that, all of that later. And this week, obviously, we'll be, we'll be catching up with Time Cop 1983 ahead of the release of the classic EP, Running in the Dark. We've got an update on the progress with the Nobody Here film project. And perhaps we can have a little chat about this sudden influx of Kate Bush covers. Gentlemen, uh, how are we doing? Who wants to kick us off? Ooh. Tom, tell us about your DJ set. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't heard much about this. I'll, I'll start with the kind of uh, better and more exciting news. So um, I'm recording from Studio Space, which I've just finished constructing. So um, I'm in a soundproof room with all my keyboards, my drums, all my guitars. I'm living the dream. Mm. Um, less idyllic was a Dona Lens DJ set um, in Leeds that we were booked to do by some music management students. It sounded like a really good thing, actually. Like, we're always happy to perform for students. You know, I think students make up a big big portion of the audience for sort of synthwave and vaporwave and they're you know super enthusiastic um but yeah they were they said they were doing like an vaporwave outrun event which sounded pretty standard and then you know they changed the theme to cyberpunk which is still just about okay just about okay i mean it's not really a genre of music but like we've got plenty of tunes about robots and spaceships and things um but you know with a few days to go we started getting sent like traditional chinese music and uh chinese trap songs and being told that we needed to play that and um jay and i really got the heebie-jeebies about this event um and yeah it 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 turned out real bad like like nothing we played that was relevant to the theme worked and you know we were really like scraping around for sort of um k-pop j-pop chinese pop songs like to the extent that uh, somebody tried to buy an aux cable off me so they could play off their phone <laughs> oh. oh my lord <laughs> didn't you guys actually go and sit down to the side of the booth at one point for an hour or so while they played tunes yeah on Spotify? so the worst thing was like these guys were being assessed like this this was their final project of a master's degree and yeah. like it just drifted so far off piece because i don't think any of their mates who they brought along wanted to hear <laughs> music that was relevant to their theme like i think like a vi- as a visual aesthetic like having a sort of outrun or cyberpunk event is fine but they wanted to hear chart pop music or like more specifically like chinese chart pop music <laughs> like the, the audience it was it was 100 percent international students the, the audience and like their their mates just weren't really supporting the the organizers at all because you know they turned up at the club and just wanted to hear what they they normally you know went and listened to and danced to on a friday night um, it was grim. Mm. It was really grim. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we we bonded with their professor. Their professor's wicked. Like he used to make industrial music in the eighties, like released on Rough nice. Trade and stuff. Um, really cool guy. He's called Stan Erot. Um, but yeah, like it, it was surreal, man. So surreal. We played for like six hours as well. Oh <laughs> six God. hours. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, it was. that is great. I wish I'd come just for the, I don't know, the experience of it. But I was following it on WhatsApp for a point until you guys kind of got stuck into it. But my favourite was when you texted saying um, they'd asked what food, if you had any dietary requirements. And didn't you say something like, oh, yeah, well, I'm all right. No, no requirements for me. But Jay, my brother, is like, he's vegetarian. Yeah. 
And so they, what did they say to you? Yeah, they, they like, said they'd take me to McDonald's and that they were going to make him a salad. <laughs> well prepared. <laughs> Which ignores, like, my brother's, like, massively obsessed with McDonald's as well. There's loads of vegan options on their menu now, or vegetarian options anyway. But, yeah. oh, well, I mean, it sounds like... Um, a disaster. Yeah. yeah. We basically just went, like, we got a sense it was going to be weird. We, we kind of just went, went for the anecdotes, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's when you're getting sent a day or two before we we need you to play these tracks mm. or tracks from this this folder yeah well they asked That's for like, our set list for appro- approval right and it was like a six hour dj set like no, no dj plans out a six hour dj set mm. you know i was like do you want me to tell you like all five thousand songs that are on my usb yeah. stick <laughs> and like, i feel like they were potentially like monitoring it for sensitive content and stuff Ooh, like right. I was I was wary. Like I did, I do have some Chinese music, but like it's it's in you know it's Canto pop, it's Hong Kong stuff, and I think you know that that could have been very mm. problematic. There's a there's a Donalen song on Midland's reality, uh, which samples a Canto pop song. Um, I don't think it would have gone down well. <laughs> they were watching you. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe they are. Martin, why don't you tell us about the uh, the boat trip? Because you went to Outlands event. Yeah, so weekend. we're recording this on Sunday evening, and last night was um, the return of our sort of fellow promoters, Outland for for events. They'd um, had a boat party booked up for two or three years now, and with obviously the big C COVIDs um, delaying it and pushing everything back, they finally got around to doing it. So yeah, it was a um, it was a nice, warm, sunny evening in London. So we went up and down the Thames they had um it was DJ sets because the space within the within the uh, the boat itself is is limited so um they had a band called the last concord that I think are on Outlands label mm. um they then had uh Laura Dre um Max Speed who um is at most he tends to find himself at most events deep DJing sort of at the, at the topping and tailing of it he played Outrun Sun didn't he he did in yeah Derby. he yeah. also played Jackson yeah, yeah. in Bristol which I'm sure we'll get on to oh cool um yeah they then were supposed to have Morgan Willis, but Morgan Willis' uh, f- uh, flight was cancelled, so they had Sunglasses Kid, who did a bit of a variation on the set that he did for us at, at the Future Sounds event. And then it was FM Attack. Oh, cool. So it was a um, big, varied evening. Laura, Laura Dre did a, um, did a City Pop set, um, and the rest of them sort of did kind of well-known synthwave, sort of, and, and, and a bit of AT stuff in there as well, but... It was a nice evening. It was pleasant. It was fun, and then um, they. It was there was definitely a different crowd there from what we may have traditionally have seen before. I think with COVID, a lot of people have kind of um, discovered the genre in the last couple of years, yeah. and so it's they're, they're starting to find people. But it's nice to see some fresh and different faces because very often, yeah, I yeah. think, a few years back, we go to these events, and you just saw the same people over and over and over again, um, which is fine because they're all you know good friends, etc. But it's nice to see some. It's nice to see some music being shared uh, a bit further afield. Fresh faces, yeah. And then, as you commented on, yes, then on the stroll home, um, just happened to be jumped by some teenagers and um, pe- people getting glassed and all that sort of stuff. So I, I got home about three a.m. this morning. Oh absolutely crazy absolutely crazy and you guys are okay absolutely fine thank you just there's just yeah. bruises and bits and pieces um but it ultimately didn't it, it takes a shine off of a good night um yeah because yeah. it make it sobers you up quite quickly as well <laughs> um but that's yeah sometimes london's that way isn't it you really well it be. it's, it's like that in major cities everywhere unfortunately and, mm-hmm. and um you know 
there's something in the air at the minute, it feels. But Stu's been really unlucky, Outland have been really unlucky with this event. Because like you said, it's been a couple of years in the making with um, Morgan Willis having to cancel so so short notice before because of issues with flights and stuff. Mm. It kind of felt it played. Like they were a bit cursed. So I'm really pleased to hear that it's um, it, it went off well. I would have gone, but for, you know, I can't get so many free passes these days. Baby, the baby, baby passes yeah. are few and far between. But what I didn't say, yeah, which man. I should have said, they also had VHS Dreams DJing there as well. Oh, nice. Oh, wicked. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen him for a while. He, he, he lives down your way, I understand, doesn't he? Someone told me he lives in... Oh, no, someone told me he lives, me lives in Skegness or something. Someone told me he lives on a beach kind of area. Oh, yeah, he'd moved up to Manchester or somewhere. But he left the synthwave scene for a while yeah. and started doing... He did an official approved remix of that um, Sons of a Loop de Loop era track, Far Out. It's like a 92 rave piano hardcore track, basically. And, um, yeah, he was, he was going big down that route... Well away from um, synthwave. His, his kind of set did that reflect off. that. His set was a, was a bit more sure. kind of that nature as well. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, Rob, yeah, you've been to a musical this week, Back to the <laughs> yeah. Future, wasn't it? Yeah, very different, very family, wholesome, orientated thing. Is it good? Yeah, though? we we've been before, my wife and I. But this is um, where my my um, kid, who's seven, like, steadfastly refused to go. And then we said we'd gone, or we saw a program or something. He's like, "What? You went without me." So like, yeah, man, like you told us to. He's like, I can't believe you. I can't believe you would do this. So we rebooked some tickets, and they were cheap tickets. So we so we went along, and um, I'd got it into his head that he could like meet the cast and stuff. So I was like, oh, I really managed his expectations badly there. So we sure enough, we went around the corner. We went to the stage door. The cast came out. He got his little program signed, and he absolutely loved it. And then today, as it happens, we were in Trafalgar Square, and there was like um, West End Live. So we were again like loads of like free. Uh, do you know what I mean? Um, songs and stuff from from the West End. So he's he's mad into all that stuff. He loves it. So uh, yes, a very wholesome, no fighting, family oriented. Um, yeah, it's, it was wicked, man. Back to the Future. Like, I've got a very high standards because I, I love that. I adore that movie. So to you know to impress me was uh, was tough, but I did it. I've I've heard nothing but good things about it as as a as a as a musical look and visually it looks like it's quite cool as well yeah visually stunning really amazing like british tech team that pioneered it they're taking it to broadway next year so it started right. off in manchester and now it's oh, based really? in london and then they're, they're going to take it to america which is quite unusual but bob gale bob zemeckis like all the original writers and producers and stuff and alan silvestri who did all the soundtrack all the score he's co-written all of this with another guy um greg ballard or somebody like that so, so it's like in safe hands all the people that are originally involved yeah, with it yeah. again which which is why it's such a great production <clears throat> so yeah a bit miles away from from Faye Burr and, and Synthwave but um, 80s influenced nonetheless we should touch on you mentioned it before Martin we should touch on the Bristol events obviously we all went there a few weeks ago Tom you played it well actually me and Martin played DJ sets there mm. as well it was, it, um, was that- it was a fun evening I think that, that those of us that were doing DJ sets were, were downstairs in the DJ room he did have a name for it but I forget what it was called um, DJ Dungeon I think the Dungeon <laughs> it may have been a Dungeon um, yeah it was just a good I think I, I, I had a good time I, I was happy I was on first so there were a few people sort of lingering around and um, yeah. I was on during an interval so just sort of threw out some synthwave that people would know and a few 80s tracks in there as well but I don't know if you guys felt the same but I, I thought it was a you know it was a good time I know um, Enzo you were on at the end of the night throwing out some um, 
real, real I was bangers. quite nervous because I haven't I didn't get to play the set at Future Sounds mm. and oh, yeah. I got quite drunk by the time I went on <laughs> and there weren't many people downstairs and that actually reassured me and as soon as I put tunes on I was lucky I think that people must have heard like I played some a couple of tracks and then I played a couple of rave tracks mm. and I don't know whether that attracted a few people in. I ended up with a, a little crowd. Tom, I think you had that for a while while you were playing as well. Yeah, nice, like nice little crowd. crowd. I don't know. Yeah, 15, 20 it was people, fun. But in, in a tiny little sort of shoebox. So, you know, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the event box. itself was great. Like Iverson were amazing. Paradise Walk were amazing. Mm. Beckett, I saw bits of that. Wolf Club are always amazing. Um, I'm running out of... FHE. Who, who else? There's FHE. Yeah, uh, yeah, Wave Shaper. Sure. Um, yes. I'm probably missing somebody. That's a great sure. lineup. My highlight of the day was probably Neon Tenek had flown over from abroad and we obviously worked with him on Time Slave and he said to me, look, my mission today is to meet and, and chat to Wave Shaper hmm. and um, got, got kind of managed to ferry them both into the same place and they had a pint together. Oh, and, that's um, nice. Yeah, both both lovely people. And there were quite a few people, a bit like our event, quite a few people coming from Europe. Yeah. So they've come from far afield. So there's still not that many events on the horizon. So a kind of, yeah, fair play to Jack. Um, I know he's got another event in Bristol. It's a good place if you're UK based or Europe based, as it as it as it seems. Bristol's definitely a place worth checking out because it's a nice city. And uh, Jack puts on a well, Jack and Johnny put on a really good show. Well done, yeah. Jack. They, 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 they worked very hard on it, so it was good. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, what have we been listening to this week? Have I missed anything else? Is there anything else? Oh no! Let's talk about Kate Bush cars. Oh, can man. we can we touch on this? <laughs> I saw this thing on Twitter. Yeah, no, but I, well, I mean, I'm sure there's good mm. ones as well. But I saw this thing on Twitter. It was like Martin, you quoted it. You quote tweeted it. Someone was yeah. saying hot take on um, on Kate. They Bush. wrote unpopular opinion. Kate Bush is running up that hill. Wasn't a popular song until now. What? Other than other than the dope mused, uh, synthwave music, the weak singing had me checked out. At least Chromatics <laughs> did a cover that made little justice. Now I want to hear a real synth pop cover with better singing. I just, oh I my just God, felt wait, wait, better, better singing than Kate Bush. That's yeah, super hard yeah. That, to find it. That, that's so obviously. That's just someone trolling. Opinion. That's 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 not a real opinion. That's that's just somebody trying to. I get think a the part about it being popular now that people act like because it never went to number one but if you look if you dig into the numbers and go beyond the chart number like the fact it only got to number three in the uk a number 20 in the uk in the early 80s mm. would get to number one mm. now yeah but like the numbers required to get to the top of the charts are infinitely smaller than they used to be like selling to get to number two or three in the charts was massive and also then. like she's an album lady right and that hounds a love yeah. album the whole yeah. thing is a fantastic the whole album. thing and cloud yeah. cloud busting people are like you cloud haven't busting. heard cloud, cloud busting, busting yeah. it's wait till you hear that yeah there's a lot of gatekeeping happening from people who liked kate bush before and they're kind of a bit offended and, and i've got to be honest i'm a bit sick of hearing that song yeah, now it's been but then overplayed. i've heard nothing but every time i turn the car on i hear this um fucking harry styles single oh. <laughs> and it, i cannot get out yeah, of my head it's catchy as it's hell kill, it's killing me it's killing the 80s me 80s inflected one but yeah, yeah, you know, fair play to him. He seems to have taken over the planet at the minute, but... Um, to, to be fair to yeah. Harry Styles, he's been, like, uh, in all his interviews and stuff, he's been giving massive props to Hiromi Hosono from the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Like, he, oh, he nice. lifted... Um, so, like, the whole concept, right? The record's called Harry's House, I think, mm. and he yeah, basically stole the whole... I mean, that name and just, like, the general vibe off of Hosono's kind of post-Yellow Magic, Magic Orchestra 
solo stuff. So that that's quite a cool thing to be throwing out into the mainstream. And like, just like people, you know, Gen Z kids will be discovering Kate Bush off the back of this. Like, if people are going to yeah. be discovering Yellow Magic Orchestra and related projects, and that's that's fucking cool in my opinion. And I yeah, and I I toned down my criticism of him uh, then because I was I was a bit I've, I'm getting sick of the song. But in fairness, we've had this conversation before, and I've seen it written about loads of times about the weekend, like helping uh, synthwave into greater public conscience but it's not unless the artist actually is actively referencing yeah. stuff mm. and if Harry Styles is actively making sure that people are aware of what his influences yeah, are and he's decent. proud of them and quoting them then that does shine a light on a new generation onto music so that is really cool but I am sick of the song so can he release another one I mean I've only well, had a couple I, of them so I can try and avoid that as well I've only had a couple I think of you, re- sorry Oops. no go on go on mate um, I've only had a, a one or two of these of these new versions and uh, the one or two I've heard are absolute dirges that mess up the melody the fuck it all up the vocals are weird you mean the Kate Bush covers yes 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 yeah. yes yeah there, there, there are everyone's churning them, churning them out I think I think me and you um, might have shared with each other a particular one which we won't mm. name on, mm-hmm. on, on on a podcast but it was just bloody awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like someone's pulled it together in five minutes, the lyrics aren't even right. It's like, hang on a minute. Yeah. You get <laughs> so many bother. of these um like TikToky remixes where they, they put the a cappella on the wrong beat as well. Like I heard mm. there's like a smells like teen spirit like EDM version and they, they, they put the vocal like it's 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 like a quarter note out. And also this this like fucking Louis Theroux rap like the, the that's yeah. gone like super viral. Like the, the, the viral version of it, like they've they've strapped his acapella like completely wrong over the drum beat it like really grinds my gears (laughs) the one thing i'll say on that hot take is that the chromatics cover which is obviously well 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 before stranger things is is great Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. it is a great track and yeah i just think it's just it's 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 obviously a, a a, a nifty little marketing trick if you can get a fairly well received cover of a famous track you're gonna appear quite quite you know quite high in the spotify searches when people yeah. you know and if you run through all the versions of the you know the official ver- yeah, the official yeah. uh, producer yeah. of the track people will come to your version and you'll get more plays and th- that there's a sense to it in that sense but but people are saying that she oh, um well, she owns the copyright she owns the publishing rights so she's making a you know a fair penny from it which is fair play to her um mm-hmm. and i keep seeing silly memes saying she's now earning a million pounds a week she's now earning 17 million pounds a day it's like i don't know what the truth is but the fact that you know a woman um, is getting what's due to her in this <laughs> time yeah. is brilliant to hear and understand. And she and also, for, yeah. but and forty years after she created it yeah. in the first place, yeah, you know, it's good. It's yeah. good. I must have followed Kate Bush on Facebook many moons ago, but I've been getting updates from her official page like mm. daily as it climbed the iTunes charts, then it climbed the real charts, you know, the official charts, and you know all these all these kind of momentous. Um, like leaps that it's gone on in the last couple of weeks and yeah I, I, I've dug out the album again for the first time it's in years, so it's definitely put so me on to really weird second again. half doesn't it yeah. it's sort of a bit like yeah. um, low like I was about to say that yeah where it know? just goes all super weird yeah first half mm. put all the pop songs first half yeah. second half is is like it's you called, know collage it's called, stuff it's called the second wave the second on side B yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's called the second wave I need to, I need to double check someone's probably shouting when they're listening to this saying it's no it's bloody not it's called this but um, no it's nice when I went I, I was lucky enough to go and see her at the Hammersmith Apollo wow. a few years ago wow, when she cool, did that yeah. when oh, she wow. did that two week piece and mm. the second half of the show is just that side of the album and they sort of act it out 
Um, in its entirety, it was really good. Totally. It was so good. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of song cycle isn't it? It mm-hmm. seems to have like a vague narrative and stuff. Yeah, She's completely. Still yeah, touring. it's got a story. Very literal. No, because I, I, she hadn't done anything since, I, I want to say, like, 82 or 83. Um, and I think the, hit, the the suggestion was, this is it. There won't be any more right. of it. She's it, super it was reclusive, really, she? She's, yeah, she? Yeah, she, she, she's a huge uh, recluse. I think she was at an award ceremony recently, but that's you didn't really get to see much of her at all. There, there's, there's apparently um, in existence uh, a track that she recorded with Big Boy from Outcast. Oh, really? Like, um, <clears throat> Big Boy is an enormous Kate Bush fan. Hmm. And um, they they made a track together allegedly, which is yet to see the light of date. But like uh, Kate, um, Kate Bush has had like weirder collaborators than Big Boy. I can see I can see it coming out. You know, like was it? There's there's that track with um, Lenny Henry on backing vocals. Lenny Henry and Prince. <laughs> and oh really? Then, uh, what? Yeah. Because of course she also had Rolf Harris on Ariel, yeah, didn't she? And I think not so good. I know that when they remastered the album, they they changed it to somebody else. Just yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's called The Painter. <laughs> I often wonder if Oasis regret the opening track of uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Rock and Roll Star. No, no, oh, it's, I'm the, thinking it's of, good I'm to thinking be Hello, it's good oh, to be yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Did it's they get the, stung um, for that? The Gary Gl- no, well, it's a Gary Glitter Yeah, cover. but did they get, like, did anybody come after them, like the Rolling Stones and the Verve? Did somebody go, like, you can't just wholesale lift our... I think they had to right, clear right. it. I think they had to clear it. But in the same way as they could never put whatever on either of their albums because there was so much lifted in the instrumentation oh, right. that when they went to clear that, they said, we'll have to take a cut of the whole release. So they put it on an EP instead. That's of why they did that. Album. Interesting. Yeah. Good knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we are. Right, so we've all been listening to Kate Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what, what, what have we been listening to that's not Kate Bush? How about we kick off? Tom, do you want to kick off? for the Yeah, week? sure. I mean, I've, I've been watching loads of Glastonbury coverage. Um, I've seen some amazing stuff like um, Rasheen Murphy's set blew my mind I think she's she's so incredible and she's really giving me ideas about what I want to do when I work with with female vocalists in future like I think she's just you know like in it, 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 Kate Bush was sort of trailblazer you know in her day I really think Rasheen Murphy is like one of the one of the great pop stars of like this millennium I think I th- like her performance was incredible, and her music is her music and her visual presentation is amazing. If you're listening to this, um, get in touch with Tom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I doubt it. Um, yeah, and we'll tag her in. We we'll tag her in. Yeah, and yeah. Should, <laughs> you don't so shoot yourself, right? Um, yeah, and and uh, some other cool stuff like a TLC set was really good. Uh, Fortet set was really good. Burner Boy, who's like an Afrobeats artist, oh, that was really cool. Um, but in terms of like actual new music, um, I'm going to choose a track from Stereolab. I think it's actually like a, a previously unreleased song rather than like a newly recorded one. And it's called Robot Riot. Um, they made it for a sculpture, exhi- sculpture exhibition. I think the artist is called Charles Long and he makes these like amorphous blobs and kind of furniture and stuff. But yes, uh, Stereolab's a wicked band. I've loved them forever. Mm. Um, every musical project I've ever been part of has, has kind of been influenced by Stereolab you know uh, I've always liked bringing electronic electronic instruments into rock music and vice versa and mm. you know Stereolab did that amazingly and they played around with thing. language yeah super like yeah motoric stuff playing around with language as well like I like we do it in Dona Lens a bunch like just having bits and pieces in other languages and stuff to kind of abstract 
meaning and just like make you know vocals are just sound you know that kind of cocteau twins kind of thing where, where the vo- you know vocal melodies it's no longer about the lyrics it's just about how voices sound um so yeah stereo lab singing in french and just mixing their vocals really quiet so it's, it's, it's cool as hell uh, so yeah robot right Over, over to you then, uh, Patrick. What have you been listening to, um, Mr. Fake so um This week I started going through a little bit more of the, um, listening to some of the acts that are going to be at Electronic On 3 in, in August. And I think it had been prompted by the fact that I'd, um, I'd booked my plane ticket this week. So I was like, right, that's done. Get myself a little bit more pumped up for it. So I was going through, but I kind of ended up, as not surprisingly, kind of kept going back to um, Death Dynamic, Death's Dynamic Shroud. Um, so I was listening to some of their early kind of um, the um, I'll Try Living Like This album, which I think's a classic anyway. Um, doesn't need to be um, overstated too much. And then, of course, um, I think it was one of you gentlemen uh, kindly reminded me that they have been releasing some new stuff recently. So I went and had a bit of a listen to um, some of that because I think they've got a new EP coming out probably in the next few months, I would imagine. They, and, they've done, and it's on pre-order now. Yeah, it is. I think it's on pre-order. Um, cool. So I picked Neon Memories from uh, from those new releases themselves, and it's quite different. It's um, there's a there, there's a review they quote on it from um, Lyrical Lemonade, I think they're called. It must be a it looks like a blog of some sort. And then they they called it um, I've got it in front of me here, indie pop track that evolves into a massive electronic behemoth, and that's probably quite accurate actually because it's 
it's quite a it's quite an indie synth poppy sort of track it's it's quite vocal heavy and but it does develop and change and build and sort of layer into what becomes quite a um i think quite an experimental and interesting interesting track i really enjoyed it so my one this week is death dynamic stroud with uh neon memories That was Death's Dynamic Shroud with uh, Neon Memories. You know that um, when we when you're buying records from America, we should 
combine our shipping together. It's probably cheaper for us. I know that's taken away from the conversation about the music. <laughs> Very true. If you bought the vinyl, I'm going to buy the vinyl. We'll pay double shipping. I actually only bought the digital for this one okay, so far. Cool, cool, cool. But we'll cool. see. But didn't you say, Tom, you were telling me about this, isn't Keith Rankin fully on board with them now? Yeah, I th- I th- that's the impression I get that the, and it seems to be a three-piece rather than a two-piece these days. And Keith Rankin... You know, in as much as you can tell who does what when you know multiple multiple people are involved in making electronic music, I think he he contributes that sort of contemporary classical and kind of cinematic edge. Like I think that their tracks have got like bigger and bigger in scope. Mm. And um, yeah, I think like yeah. so, Martin, you were saying there's like an indie kind of singer songwriter thing going on. Like that's that's very much sort of Tech and James's thing. You know, they love their Radiohead, they love their Muse. Mm. Um, Keith Rankin, like you know, kind of. <coughs> goes in there with the orchestral instruments and the you know the kind of trailer stings hollywood trailer stings and i think um you know that's that adds a really cool i was going to say dynamic i can't say dynamic uh <laughs> adds a cool uh facet to their sound so yeah three 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 is better than two maybe uh we need a new donor lens member we're um we'll take offers <laughs> you're auditioning are you? yeah yeah Rashid, I'll send you yeah, she can join <laughs> <laughs> in a flash yeah. in a flash um, yeah there's that mad Venn diagram going around on Reddit that I saw like where all of the different albums that they've they've done and who's involved in each individual prod- project and for a long time Keith actually has probably been the least active yeah. of the three so mm-hmm. it's good they've got him in mm. but he made possibly their, their biggest or most successful record yeah. completely on his own which which is kind of hilarious to me like Jay and I joke about that with Donor Lens it's like if we got sort of you or Yana to make a Donor Lens record and it like went on to get reviewed by Anthony Fantano and stuff just get somebody yeah, else to yeah. do it and release it under the banner um, they've got a really it, interesting way of doing up. business don't they like I think they just they, they, they're they set up as a limited company and like whatever happens under the umbrella they kind of share the proceeds it's yeah. very cool yeah, it's really nice. And and the other thing about them, especially with this track as well, with that kind of indie vibe, they don't sound like, but they give me um, beta band oh, yeah, vibes. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, kind degree. of DIY, multi-instrumentalist, and, um, expansive. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. I also love that they'll pick completely bait samples. Like, isn't one of their tracks, I think the one that we had on Flamingo Funk 1 or 2, had a Katy Perry sample, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, chopped up to within an inch of its existence and... But they're taking these really bait sources and turning it into something yeah. really distinctive. They have their own. I heard there's a lot of Dua Lipa on on uh, Faith and Persona, oh, which right. is is crazy. You know, like it's all really? going on. All their stuff's on streaming services, and they're like they've got sort of current charts, pop acts, <laughs> acapellas, <laughs> like, just just there. Yeah. It does make you wonder how how effective the algorithm is in some respects. Like if you chop it up that much, Probably can't detect does it. it get picked up instantly? Pick it up. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. YouTube's pretty good at sniffing out samples. I think they don't bother on Spotify. Instagram are just obsessed yeah, with banning dark. artists from playing their own music. Currently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does a big, yeah, big crackdown this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's been talking about it. I think it's yeah. hit most people we know. They're like, I can't yeah. play my own yeah. song. So Occam's <laughs> talk about that. I saw Sunglasses Kid talk about that. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Rob? What have you been listening well, to? Well, um, I've sort of, little did I know I've rediscovered something. Um, it, it, I, to my mind, it came out on Spotify last month, but actually, I think it originally came out on Bandcamp um, October 2021, and that is a Trans Canadian Express EP by Strawberry Station, mm-hmm. um, who I saw play at your guys' um, Future Sounds gig a little while back. So apparently, like um, I didn't realise, like when I met him, because he doesn't sound like he's you know from Canada, but he, he was there for two years. 
And apparently, um, this EP he like created and entirely recorded whilst he was on board, like the transatlantic uh, continental uh, train from Toronto to Vancouver in Canada, which sounds like an awesome thing to do. And the track I've picked from it is uh, Jasper. It's two minutes, two minutes twenty-six. I googled Jasper because I was quite interested, and it's like an alpine town, like amid the Canadian Rockies. So, and sonically, now when I'm listening to it, I can kind of hear. Um, that in it and what I like about it is it samples my favourite Cliff Richards song uh, Wide for Sound and like you know sort of true like plunder phonics kind of just just takes that <clears throat> Cliff Richard refrain but you wouldn't really recognise it unless you really love Wide for Sound um, it's quite short but again like sonically it like, reflects that Canadian landscape um, so yeah he's done a really good job with it so it came out last month on Spotify um, there was a track that made the Forever Since New Release playlist, but um, but I gather it's 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 more like about eight months old. So here's Jasper by Strawberry Station. I'm Strawberry Station, and you're listening to Future Sounds FM. Lovely, just des- lovely mm. description there, Rob. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I really enjoyed it. Painted a picture with your words. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on that train. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. right? So yeah. am I. Canada's an amazing, beautiful country yeah. as well. And I did mm-hmm. a bit of that. I went from Toronto to Ottawa, and then across somewhere, and then separately, I went to Vancouver. It's just a beautiful country. Um, yeah, I'd love to go back. My wife used to live there. But we were supposed to go there. I think it was April 20, 2020. Was that the year that COVID started? 2020? Yeah. 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 We were going to go and film at East Central. And it was going to be the kickoff. Yeah, of, we were supposed uh, to be playing, weren't we? Some of us. That's right. Yeah. Man, I, ho- I hope yeah. that happens. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think the guys who were organising it have kind of fallen by the wayside. But I think there's others that are still kind of loosely involved who are looking to bring something back to Canada soon. So it'd be good to get out there. 
Definitely. Sure. That I'm um, just uh, on the Strawberry Station thing. Um, he's a big Kraftwerk boy. Is he? Loves he, he loves his Kraftwerk. So so it's called Trans Canada Express, right? The, the EP. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, okay. so, so, so that's, that's obviously a nod to, to Trans Europe Express. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's one of the things you, you wouldn't necessarily know from his music, but he's no. he's a he's a big Kraftwerk boy. I think he loves his Fairport convention as well. I think he really? has a past life as as a folky dokey. Ah, interesting. Um, that's a, I can kind of see that with the hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's got the mop top. He's got a, a bit moddy. I'm going to say 1967, mm, yeah, yeah. 1967 London. Yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of hairstyle. He's, he's full of yeah. surprises. That strawberry station. Yeah. Interesting. That reminds me. I need to send him his t-shirt. His feature funky. He left. He left a t-shirt <coughs> behind when we filmed for the interview in Leicester a couple of months ago, and I took it back oh, with us. Was he topless? No, he went back to his job. He went back to his job. Yeah, it wasn't that warm. <laughs> when we filmed to be fair was it you Tom who was telling me about or was it Jerome saying about the the new algorithm on on Spotify and how everyone's been driven to write shorter and shorter tracks who's been or was it Chris that was telling us yeah I don't know much about that if no one knows much about it then don't worry about it but apparently everyone's kind of being pushed by the Spotify algorithm to write songs that are sub two minutes 30 now to really make cut through so obviously in the 60s every pop single had to be three minutes or under and songs like I don't know Hey Jude and um, Bohemian Rhapsody broke the mold mold they they say don't don't do intros anymore like you've got to you've got to bang straight into the hook and like basically if you're sort of scrolling she loves you yeah, I mean, like, so that's an old, old thing, but like the, you know, the, the medium is the message, right? And like the, the medium in this case, I think it's more of a TikTok thing than a Spotify thing, to be honest. Mm, yeah, probably, like yeah. you're, you start your song with your, with the hook. And like when you're choosing a, a, a track to soundtrack your video, if the hook just is, you know, d- uh, delivers straight away, then you're, you're likely to select that for your video. I think that the, yeah, the, the Spotify sense. thing, like from an artist perspective, like, I can see um, if you make loads of loads of short songs, like I know Drake has like truckloads of um, the tracks on most of his albums. I don't know about the new one. And I think, you, you know, you're just collecting streaming royalties on all of them. So if like, someone listens so to why wouldn't album. You? Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause you, you get paid like after people have heard your track for 20 or 30 seconds. So like, there's nothing stopping you making your tracks 31 seconds <laughs> long and just, just doing loads of them. Still get paid, yeah. And having naught seconds gaps between the tracks, mm-hmm. I suppose, because it does just run through, doesn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Shall I... Um... What's your track, Enzo? Well, um, I have been listening to uh, quite a lot of The Strokes this week, but I'm not going to pick that. My my daughter seems to really like it. She also likes um, NWA. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> but I did send a video. I don't know if I've sent you all the video, but but um, she she just randomly started dancing the other day. I was listening to Express Yourself. Yes, it was Robert, the clean was the version. Clean version. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It brother was, this, but, brother well, that. For the purposes of this story, it was, yeah. <coughs> but she just started randomly dancing. She's just got to the point where she'll walk with the aid of holding you know like the sofa or the table or whatever but she was just holding onto the table in the living room and just shacking out to nwa and why wouldn't you why wouldn't you it's a great That's track her first well. tune so, yeah. like, i've been i've been playing that a lot she finds it really easy he's dad isn't it express express yourself was originally recorded by easy his dad wasn't it so i think they got the sample really easily oh wow it was Is his old right? yeah it was his dad's old band and it was like um dad can we can we borrow That's your cool. tune Yes, yeah, son. of course, can. <coughs> that was about uh, this, that was the shape of the negotiation. I think so. I mean, could be making that. He could have charged in the world, but I just remember that being the case. That it was his, it was his dad's old plan. Either way, it's an absolute yeah. tune. Um, <laughs> but um, 
no, this my pick for this week is it's kind of um, PS1 jungle. Um, Tom, I got to thank him for <coughs> for sharing that with me in the first instance. I think it's Pizza Hotline. He's released an album called Level Select. I get like huge LTJ Bookham vibes from this album. I can't help but find myself transported back to like my student days, listening to um, old Don FM tapes, playing Wipeout. Um, and as someone like myself, I always um, wax lyrical about the early rave scene. But like as someone who emerged into adulthood with this backdrop of jungle and drum and bass growing uh, bigger and bigger, I think you just, if you've experienced that, you just get it. Uh, you, you you just know when someone gets it rather like if that makes sense like when someone's channeling that that kind of nostalgic tint like uh, Pizza Hotline he just seems to sound authentic um, and there's a lot of Vaporwave out there that's channeling this style mm-hmm. and this era um, but there aren't too many artists I think that sound this authentic and that's not necessarily a bad thing because they might not be trying to really be back in 92 but it just sounds like he just he knows this music like the back of his hand and that's charming for someone like me and I could have picked any track from the album because it's a complete banger from start to finish but I'm going to go for the the cheap luxury remix of Low Poly Romance by Japan Japan Novelty uh, who I believe is a friend of his who lives in Wales so we're going to have to try and dig deeper into that because I've been chatting to him a little bit on Twitter this last week because uh, he's locally based as yeah, well yeah he's, he's in the cool. UK isn't he yeah yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think he's playing at that Pure Life show that you were telling us about a couple mm. of episodes back. Um, so if one of us or all of us can get there, it'd be quite good to catch up with him in person. But this is one of the slower cuts off the album in a good way. Um, it's kind of 1992 vibes all Thank over you. again. So um, yeah, this is Low Poly Romance and it's the Japan Novelty Cheap Luxury Mix.
That was Low Poly Romance, Japan Novelty's cheap luxury mix. It's from the album Level Select by Pizza Hotline. It's an absolute banger. I implore you to check it out right now. Excellent. What's next, lads? Um, I kept meaning to ask you about Nobody Here, because I know you've been doing a few bits and pieces with it recently, Enzo. Um, yeah, let's do an update, yeah. shall we? I did. I actually spoke to Christian, who's the director. Um, obviously, you have yourself have booked your flights. We've put in for our visas. We've got appointments in London in about a week or two, uh, where we're going to have to go down there and get work visas. Oh, of course, um, yeah. As opposed to the normal Esther, because we're going to be carrying a lot of film kit, and then Chris can't manage it on his own, so it makes sense to do everything super legit. Um, like, we've had hundreds of emails since the crowdfund happened, and people desperate to know when if uh, how this is all going to progress but all along i've been trying to keep things calm and assure people that we are going to get round to really kicking it off as soon as we possibly can and covid's been a real real challenge but we've managed to obviously already interview quite a few people mm. who we can in in the uk who we always intend into there's a few people who for obvious reasons given that Anonymity is one of the big themes of the scene. Themes of the scene, uh, people who don't need to be filmed on camera. So we've been picking up quite a few of those characters over time, and we've got plenty more of them to grab as time progresses. But we've booked a trip to the states in August, uh, where we'll be doing all of the US-based uh, filming for the documentary. So this is like a huge logistical challenge. We're there for well, Chris is out for the best part of three and a half weeks. My brother and I will be going out there for a week and a bit, then coming back for a while and then going back out for the last week and a bit. And we've been trying, well, we've been pulling together a lot of interviews for there. So we're starting in Chicago, uh, then going on to New York for Electronicon and the tape swap the day before that. Then there's a trip across the country, which is going to eventually lead us to Los Angeles, um, where we'll be taking in Bay's Big Show, which is in the early part of September. So I don't really want to name too many names because we've been asked by people, what's the um, what's the interview list? I just don't think that's necessary for us to do. I don't think it's appropriate because it's an evolving buffet. There's people that we would love to get who haven't yet um, agreed to be in it. Uh, you know, there's really big names that we would love to get, people who are far transcended and sort of stepped away from the vaporwave scene, but who would be really interesting contributors and they're people we continue to work on but i can you know name a few people people like Chaz from spf 420 mm. golden living room van porgham st pepsi george clanton bay whitewoods uh, we're going to speak to fire tools dan mason i'm going to stop Big days there. already uh, that's 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 like a partial taster and there's a lot of other people who we've confirmed but we haven't nailed down days and so until the logistics tie up because don't forget if we go to chicago at the start we can't go back the country's huge it's not like the uk where you can drive anywhere in a few hours it's massive and this is a logistical uh, challenge that we're working on every single day but it's happening we're going to get the whole of the us side of things filmed uh halfway through August into early September and then we've only got a few European trips and uh, hopefully finishing it off with a trip to Japan at the end so we'll be looking at with a fair wind and no further relapses in the Covid side of things we'll be looking at starting things like editing and pulling the final film together like the early part of next year mm. so not too long now if you think long. about it I mean we're halfway through this yeah. year already yeah we're talking um, a matter of, you know, six or seven months left. We're going to make sure we try and get as much of it done before Christmas as we can. I think we might be able to achieve it all. We'll Good see. Luck, man. Exciting stuff. So hopefully that's kind of reassuring for people. It like it is happening. I'll show you the receipts <laughs> if you want. Yeah, put them on Twitter <laughs> to all your naysayers. 
We do get asked I've by people. It, yeah. Cause I understand there's a lot of critics. Um, there's people who don't think that, uh, it was appropriate to sell stuff before the film was made. And Partially that funds misses it, the no? point. Cause it was a crowd, it was a yeah. crowd fund. Well, it entirely yeah. funded it. Well, I'm not, I'm not, if, if I fund it from this business, my pet flamingo, then it becomes a, my pet flamingo mm. product. And that is not ethical. No. It's a documentary. And, you know, we're playing a supportive role, but Christian is very much the driving force in the film. And we've got people from a lot of different aspects of the scene who are inputting into what makes the story and what tells the story. It's a story, perhaps. It should have been called a story of a perhaps, but we'll get there. And uh, yeah, it is going to happen. So chill your Can't beans. Wait. Yeah, so um, Geordie is someone, Geordie Time Cop 1983. Um, he's someone that we've worked with for a long time on Time Slave Recordings. He's been around, I want to say, for the best part of a decade now. I think so, at least. Uh, yeah, and he's one of the biggest names, certainly, in the synthwave scene. He's played at a load of big shows throughout the world. Um, and uh, I'm really pleased that we got him together for this for this interview because... We managed to get him to release one of his old albums. It's uh, Running in the Dark. It's a, it's an EP, I suppose, technically. There's seven tracks on it. But given the length of the tracks, it adds up to more than the average LP. Um, it's got some of his best tracks. Uh, Dimensions, for example, mm-hmm. is probably my favourite Time Cop track of all time. It's the one that I heard first from a YouTube video uh, that got me into to his music in the first instance. And yeah, he, he kind of pioneered this Dreamwave sound mm-hmm. that's been copied by many, many people and you know it's become a legitimate kind of branch of the synthwave scene so yeah and 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 as we've done with previous interviews we kind of we put the we laid the gauntlet to the followers to ask them what they wanted to ask so there's some interesting questions that we might not have come up with ourselves and all in all i think it makes for an interesting interview has, it, has anybody on the question list asked for a repress of anything no. of any sort I didn't to... put the question to Geordie because I can handle that in a WhatsApp message, perhaps. But we did get a few people asking uh, in DMs, is there going to be a repress of Night Drive? And um, we've already done three, yes, done I'm three. sure. Why not? We'll do another one, shall we? People just need you know. to be a bit more organised and pay attention to release dates and times and just hit just hit that refresh button and buy it. It'll be there. They they do sell out quick. I they mean, we, we did, we did after the last time, we, we did, um, I think it might have been... What was it? Reflections, perhaps? Did you do Faded Touch? And we said, did look... Did that as well? Josh Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was that as well. And we quite possibly said, after one of those two releases, that from now on we will do a thousand copies of any Geordie release and put them out on the same day so that everyone can grab one because it's clear the demand is there. In the past, we've done 500 and then, then done a repress. Mm. But it sells out really quickly and people just feel anxiety then because they've got to wait. We don't do pre-orders, so they have to wait months then for the chance to grab one. And you do kind of feel for people. So we've listened on that score, but what else can you say? I mean, he's a very popular artist. He's got a really interesting take on uh, Synthwave, having been involved in it for such a long time and a really unique sound. Mm, Very distinct. I remember I saw him support FM84 back in 2019. Yeah. And then... Where was that? Was that the one in... Yeah, it was in Brixton. Brixton Electric. Brixton. Yeah, yeah Electric, nice electric Brixton, yeah. Mm. There's something about, um, also with his sound, because it lends itself quite well to the, um, like, like we were talking about Netflix before and, and Kate Bush, about being picked up by streaming services, because I know that Jordy has had a couple of tracks picked up for certain shows. And I need to remember which one it is. Um, I was watching a, uh, an episode of something on Prime, and suddenly his one of his tracks is on the background in yeah. some kind of like beach scene or something like that I was like, well, that's quite cool so um, I think 
got very yeah, some interesting accessible views sound, isn't it? Like a real, it's probably a gateway yeah. for a lot of people into synthwave. Well, it's quite dreamy. It's quite uplifting. It's quite um, wistful. Ooh, ooh, good word. It, it sounds like a sounds like early summer evening. Yes, you know, it's that kind of uh, that kind of sound to me. It was quite yeah. It was quite. I found it quite captivating when I first heard it. That dimensions track grabbed me, but also the album journeys. Mm, yeah, it's just and those collaborations with Dana Jean Phoenix. We've got a, a track later on that we're going to play, which is a new single by Neverland. Oh yes, uh, which features Dana Produced Jean Phoenix. By that's, that's an amazing collab as well. But but that track, I think it's Dreams on the the album Journeys, yeah, is incredible and. Yeah, that album's full of really good, uh, really strong collaborations. But yeah, I was once visiting Cole from Retro Reverb Records in Palermo and um, I happened upon a trainer shop. I was looking to buy some flip-flops for the beach and one of his tracks came <laughs> in there and it helped me pu- It helped me purchase. <laughs> it felt like it was good purchasing music. <laughs> Tell him that. It put me in a calm space, yeah. And I bought the most expensive flip-flops of the two that I was considering. You should considering, be getting a cut so, from yeah. that. He's a, he's a marketeer. Well, if anyone out there who's thinking of music to play in their shop, to pipe through to calm down their punters and make them buy more things. Time Cop shit, man. I recommend Time Cop. No, 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 it does happen. It do, That's it, a good it um, episode title. The most expensive flip-flops. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it does work. It does work. All right, well, perhaps um, before we um, before we play out the interview, which was um, myself and uh, Patrick Fakeman caught up with Geordie, um, how about we, we kick off with a track from the EP Running in the Dark, which is out on Friday. We've got two vinyl variants, 500 copies of each. One is a beautiful three-colour segment wax. Uh, the other is a two-colour splatter wax. Uh, it's got an obi strip. It's got new artwork done by Mr. Occam's ooh, Laser. Ooh. And um, it's an absolute classic. It's a beautiful, beautiful album. um, And you all know it anyway, so I don't know why I'm giving it such a hard sell. This is Dimensions from Running in the Dark.
One, two, one, two, check, check, check. Okay. There we go. Right. We're joined by a man who needs no introduction, the world-renowned king of Dreamwave. It's Mr. Time Cop, 1983 himself. Geordie, how are you doing? It's great to um, to see you and to talk to you after quite a long time. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for, for having me. It's been It's been too long. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy times, but um, I've been I've been good. So uh, I've been very productive. Quit my day job during the pandemic, and um, yeah, I'm just ready to 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 make music again. You're so answering to go all, on the road again. You're on, answering all of our questions right off the bat there. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Sorry. No, I mean that that's the thing. Obviously, we're coming off the back of a pandemic. You know, live scenes have shut down. I mean, just the way we live and work and interact with our families is is has been so dramatically put on ice and it's kind of changed everything like how, how have you found the last couple of years yeah pretty quiet to be honest <laughs> it was kind of a good thing for me uh, uh to not be able to do shows because well I, I didn't do that many shows of course but uh, it was time to to reset everything and um of course it's bad or sad to not see the people that listen to my music and to not be on the road but um yeah as i said i, I was uh, focusing on uh, uh, or doubting to quit my day job uh, before the pandemic as well and i just yeah i, I just did it and uh, it's been great for me it's gave me some some peace of quiet gave me some some time to to make plans for the future so yeah it's been it's been good I mean, I have, guess. Have you found? Oh, sorry. No, go, go for it, Martin. Sorry. Go for it. I was going. I wonder whether, particularly since quitting, and I appreciate that the COVID's given everyone a bit more headspace. But has mm -hmm. that changed the way that you've approached the project itself? Given that you've got, a, it's kind of, it's the full time thing to do now. Or? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I, I have to make plans now, I'm, uh, and yeah, or I, at least I want to make plans, and I want to make plans for for the future to do other stuff as well. And it's been giving me proper time to do a new EP as well, which I'm, yeah, doing my absolute best to, to make the mix sound better than ever before and just things like that. To make, uh, uh, to put more work in the details. So that gives mm. me a lot of space to do that, definitely. Do you think that there was a time when, when you were doing your day job before, like, I know you've talked about this before, but do you think there was a, did you reach a point where you were thinking, the job is getting in the way of the music, whereas before you might have felt that the music was getting in the way of the job. And like, how did yeah. you come to the decision? Was it was it pan the pandemic that sort of gave you that kick up the bum to say, right, it's now or never? Yeah, that's it. It's, uh, um, well, I worked at a municipality, so it was a government job, so it wasn't that busy, of course. It's not like it was a commercial <laughs> job. <laughs> you both know. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. worked in that. I've worked in the local government sector before, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. So yeah, it wasn't as stressful, but uh, I mean, at times it definitely was, and especially when I was planning to do a tour or to to, to play a show or even to, to finish an album. Sometimes, yeah, whenever I came home, I just didn't feel like doing anything, but I just had to do it because it, because it was my only time to to create music or to to do something with my music. So yeah, when the pandemic came, uh, uh, things kept going uh, 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 good and even better than before, like with stream-wise and everything. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, I'm reasonably young right now. Um, let me just give it a try and quit my job, try and make uh, 
yeah, make it a, a full time job with my music and just see what happens. It's really and interesting. That's been great it's, so far. Yeah. It's really interesting because the scene is like people will have lots of different opinions about the state of the synthwave scene and where it's going. And perhaps we'll ask you about that a bit later on. But um I, I can vouch for the feeling of kind of nervous trepidation of quitting your day job to to, to make something in music full time. So I can yeah. relate to you there. But do you just feel like a weight is lifted on your off your shoulders? Oh yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, like I said, I had never experienced it uh, as being stressful. But now that I quit my job, it's been so much easier. So it's yeah, there's uh, uh, there's no not not so much pressure anymore. Whenever I don't feel like making music, I just don't make music. I, I go cycling or whatever. So that's been great, definitely. Wonderful. I guess that's the bit pe- people sort of forget about, isn't it? That you you know through twitter or instagram or whatever it might well be people are just they're always asking when the next album is or when yep. the next music's coming or even when i just release something yeah <laughs> exactly it's, it's it's like enzo with the um with all of the represses he has to do Mate. for night drive like oh, yeah. he'll do it he'll do it five times and then there needs to be more we can talk about it again <laughs> after because i still get so many emails it's it's unreal just how many people request that and you know, we kind of we had this chat last time we released Faded Touch. It was we we did 500 copies, and luckily I pressed two variants at once so that we could hold back one for when the yeah. repress was due. But they sold so quickly that people are immediately wanting more. So we've kind of recognised that. I think this time we're running in the dark, and we'll talk about running in the dark in a little while as well. But oh yeah, yeah of course. It, it, it's crazy. The demand just continues to be there, and, and as Martin said, you must get a lot of DMs asking you, you know. When's this coming out? When's that coming out? Yep. Are you going to do another album? But you've yep. teased it. You've teased your new EP. We could talk about that. You've yeah. teased it. Yeah, yeah. You said who's ready for a Night Drive style <laughs> EP. So tell us yeah. a bit about this. Yeah, well, um, ever since I made Night Drive, uh, it's been received so, so great by so many people. And uh, uh, after that, I made Faded Touch together with Josh, which was a little bit more romantic. But then I thought, okay, I want to make something uh, fully instrumental this time. And uh, uh, that sounds like uh, like Night Drive. So I uh, uh, started working on that and um, it's it's finished now. So amazing so is this more kind of in the vein then of running in the dark in the sense that it's not got collaborations in the way that you've yep. done before it's uh the Dreamwave style that we know and love um yeah. and, and are there any surprises in there have you changed style at all or yeah well at least i tried it's still time cop 1983 of course but um uh, it's less dreamy this time and okay. more uh, aggressive or danceable if you uh, nice. if you want so uh, yeah, it's it, it's a little uh, darker than my 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 other work. Just like uh, well, Night Drive had some romantic songs on it as well. So more in the style of uh, uh, on the run and um, mm. aesthetic with the midnight. Yeah, yeah, so a yeah. little darker and yeah, it's a, a style I've always loved, and I just want to give it try, give it a try, and hopefully people will will like it too. Are you ready to unveil the title or any other information, or do you want to keep that under wraps for a little while longer? No, yeah, it's fine. I I, I, I knew this. Well, I, I thought this question was coming, and I was still doubting between names, but um, I, I just decided it's uh, going to be called Multiverse. Or multiverse. Nice. Mm-hmm. There we are. Um, World exclusive. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, it feels like pre- it's a pre- pressured him into making a decision. Though, <laughs> yeah. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> just sometimes that's what you need, isn't it? Because you can be umming and ahhing about what to choose, and then um, yep. 
someone slaps a deadline right in front of your face and uh, there you go it's decision multiverse yeah, that's what i needed so thank you for that guys that's no thank problem you. man can we um can we take you back to like um your origin story as it were um mm. like i'm i'm interested i'm sure loads of people will be interested in your musical background so the kind of things that got you into music not necessarily production but the things that you listened to when you were younger that are inspirational to you and then perhaps like what was it that got you into production yeah well um i i didn't or i don't have like a musical background in uh, uh learning to play instruments or whatever and i mean i, I cannot play the piano or i cannot read a note or write a, a, a note but um i've always always listened to my to music my parents listened to uh, uh everything between from the 60s uh, till the 80s when i was young and i just love music but not like in a uh, uh in a way that i would yeah like in a technical way but um, when I was 12, I uh, uh, had a friend who uh, said he was making music on, on, his, on his computer. And he showed me the program. I, I believe it was called Scream Tracker in, in MS-DOS, but I'm not entirely sure anymore. But uh, he showed me this and I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I was, I mean, computers were relatively new when I was playing some, some video games. And uh, uh, he showed me this and I, and I was like, okay, I just want to do this as well. And uh, so he gave me a few floppies, uh, installed it on my computer and I, I just gave it a try and just put some random notes in and it sounded really, really bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a shame that I don't have those songs anymore. It would be cool. But um, I think there's a lot yeah. of people though that don't have that kind of create, um, what's the word? Like the technical, um, music, accomplished musical training background. Like the formal training. Yeah, the formal yeah. training. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. But how do how do you find how do you come up with melodies then? Do you literally just play by ear? Yeah, that's I think it. that's just really impressive. Well, thank you, thank you. But yeah, it's just all by ear. It's yeah, not very often that I have like a specific melody in my head. But I just uh, I'm, I have like a bass line that I heard in another song, or whatever. I program it into the computer, and then I just start playing with my keyboard until a melody that comes up that sticks in my head. Wow! And I always think that if if a melody sticks in in my head, then uh, it's a good melody. Yeah. So, so yeah. But with that in mind, then does it does it feel quite strange that people would consider you a pioneer of like the the dream wave? genre as it were yeah. in the sense that you know they the kind of suggest that you're the person that that where, where this originated from and yet it, it's you kind of ultimately just playing around with what what sounds yeah. good it's absolutely crazy that's I not mean, me that's not me minimizing it of no, course, no 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 of it's course just like you know kind of it, it's crazy to think of it like that isn't it yeah it definitely is it still baffles me every day i mean that i <laughs> could have made this my my day job it's i would never expected it when i first mm. installed that uh, program on my computer i couldn't have a dream of it but yeah it's just i'm just a guy sitting in a studio uh, making some so, some music and yeah it's nothing special but it comes from so a feeling crazy. it comes from a feeling right i mean yeah. you must be channeling an emotion because it's all very so we were having this conversation earlier on i'm sidetracking myself here but we were having this conversation about what synth wave is and there aren't really any clear rules but there are a few hooks that you could you could hang yourself on so it could be that it's video game nostalgia it could be that it's just straight retro it could be that you're 
you know, singer-songwriter, like uh, inspired by, you know, the the, the kind of pop acts. Uh, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, vocal synthwave out there that's clearly inspired by some of the big bands from the era. But there's no defined yeah. rule. But yet you've somehow then come up with a, a, sh- a sub-genre of synthwave, dreamwave, that you pretty much pioneered and are, are probably the most recognised um, purveyor of. And what does that yeah, come but- from? What is the feeling? What's the feeling that's behind it? Yeah, it's not like an intentionally like an emotion that I try to to create or whatever, but it's just nostalgia. I think it's mm. just when I try to make a, a melody and or, or with the like a track with everything in it, then if it yeah gives me a feeling of nostalgia, I think it's it's good enough. But I I don't think I'm a, a pioneer. I mean, I was inspired when I uh, uh, started making Synthwave or Dreamwave by, by Future Cop and uh, College. And uh, I mean, those guys were much earlier than me. So it's it's crazy that people see me as a pioneer when I'm, I don't think I am. So, I mean, it's very mm-hmm. humble of you to, to kind of self-reflect in that way. I think Future Cop mm-hmm. has a very distinct sound as well. And I think the artists like MPM soundtracks from back in the oh, day yeah, definitely. have got a bit yeah. of that vibe too. But I think it's fair to say that off the back of your first couple of really big releases, there's a lot of artists, and this isn't a criticism, but there's a lot of kind of copycat or influence that's been taken. And maybe you've been influenced by the by college beforehand, but that kind of yeah. diffusion throughout has permeated. Oh, yeah. and, and now I think when people hear, it's like we were saying before, Journeys is in the canon of must listen for, for Synthwave. Mm, yeah. You know, it's one of those albums that stands the test of time a gateway album kind of thing. I mean, that's that's something. You don't need to be humble about that, I don't think. Or maybe it's nice for someone to mm-hmm. tell you that without you needing to... Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, but thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, for me, it's nothing special. It's just something I created and uh, people see it this way. It's just crazy. Yeah. Is there any specific thing that you're nostalgic for? Is it a feeling of like summer, summer as a kid or is it... TV programs or games that you were into when you were younger? Like, do you channel it in any way? No, not especially, but uh, um, I can always remember like this cassette we had in the car when when I was younger, which my parents had. And whenever we went on vacation to, to France or for Spain, or Spain uh, we always had this cassette on with the uh, um, Brick Ashley on it, Ghostbusters and uh, Abracadabra. I love that album. Miller was my first ever yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I, well, it's not that I try to recreate that feeling, but it's something that's always in the back of my head, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's fascinating about it is that the idea that, regardless of influence, people kind of almost subconsciously start to want to invoke whatever it was you were feeling when you're in the back of the car listening to those yeah listen to those songs and the fact that then your list the people that listen to your music are, are able to relate it to whatever their own yeah um, and that's what's great about music completely different it's just that kind of it's those tropes or however people decide to interpret yeah interpret music it does that which i think is, well that's, that's always been the nice thing about music that's based in that kind of sphere isn't it but definitely but also you you may have access to these stats from your spotify artist account for example or just from yeah. seeing people at events the age range is fairly diverse uh, it is. of listeners um yep. i mean obviously you have a lot of people who might be closer to our age who remember the 80s firsthand in some way as children but then yeah. you've also got young people who are kind of nostalgic for the same thing, but they couldn't possibly have experienced it yeah. first time around. And things like Stranger Things come along, 
Yeah. And it's like the magic of those, um, are they Spielberg films? I mean, you know, John Hughes films from the 80s. It pulls people in who weren't even around at the time. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And I mean, with music as well. Some some people uh, sometimes people send me messages that uh, uh, they they uh, uh, that I, my music helped them with their, when they were struggling and whatever. And I think that's what's great about music. You can just create your own story with it, and uh, that it can relate to yourself. And that's a great thing. I mean, sometimes when I make a song, I don't have a particular idea with it or whatever. But people just make it into a story or uh, into something that may help them. And that's like just the, like the people who add the visuals to the YouTube videos that go viral. Yeah. You know, yeah. like my my uh, my uh, appreciation of journeys comes from the new retrowave upload. So it's oh, the yeah. picture in the background, and this is the yeah. same with a lot with of the early tracks. Yeah. So yeah. I I can never disassociate that image from my mind when I'm playing that album. Yeah, and to be honest. I never ever watched Thundercats before Journeys came out. Before New Retro Wave uh, uh, uploaded it, I've heard of it before, but yeah. I never seen anything of it. So I was like, "What is this weird picture?" And then <laughs> I found out it was Thundercats. So that's that's crazy. I mean, this is an example too that yeah. this evokes something when I don't even realize it, or the artist doesn't even realize it. So, yeah. Can can we ask you about Journeys? Because uh, I, I said this already, it, you know, I think it's one of the essentials kind of gateway albums. It certainly was for me. And I know I hassled you for a long, long time to get vinyl <laughs> out on that record. But um, yeah. it's kind of, it's one of, it's, you know, it's, it's got amazing tracks. It's got great collaborations. It's a long album that never outstays its welcome. It, 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 it just seems to be the perfect package. What, what, what was in your mind when you, when you created it? I mean, is there any interesting stories to tell about that coming together? Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to make it like a, a dreamier album. Um, then I had a first collaboration with, uh, I think it was Dana G. Phoenix that was uh, the first on Dreams. And yeah. uh, then I thought, okay, I need some more um, uh, vocal songs on it. Then uh, I got a message by uh, Per Rinaldo, who was uh, uh, like the lead singer of this Swedish metal band called Skitark. And it's it's crazy. And uh, uh, I, I, uh, I had Lost in, your, your Eye, Lost in Your Eyes out before as well, but just as an instrumental. And then he sang on it. And then I was like, wow, this is amazing. This, this is what the album needs. Yeah. And from there, I just started working in that style and until uh, yeah, Journeys uh, uh, was finished. So, yeah, it's not that I had like in a particular idea in my head, but I wanted something dreamy and yeah. Did, did you, have you felt like a, a big growth from that album being released or being uploaded to New Retrowave? I mean, was that one oh, of yeah. the moments where you felt your sort of, that sort of dream, that process towards being where you are now of quitting your job and making this full time? Did you feel like that was one of the steps in the journey? Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, it was never my dream to 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 make music professionally. But then I uh, I saw how well it did, and I was totally surprised by it. And yeah, especially when New Retro Wave picked it up, it, it went so fast, and uh, so many people sent me messages about how they liked it, and, and yeah, it gave me so much inspiration to continue making this music. So yeah, it was definitely an album that helped me a lot, and uh, uh, yeah, which gave me like positive vibes to continue making music. 
Definitely. I mean, it's a bit like then the people who then maybe potentially first heard it through the record release that you yeah. guys did. It almost like it was then well, a bit like Kate Bush and, and Stranger Things. It's being reintroduced to a, an audience who may not have heard of it or may not have been aware of it, who maybe started with um, Reflections or started with a with, with, with a later album because people don't always dig back, do they, oh, yeah. as much as maybe they should do. But it definitely feels like there were some people that were kind of then discovering it through the through the release you did with these guys, which, again, is nice. It just makes it's it, it gives it a new nice. lease of life, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm really, really happy that that, uh, that you pushed me or that you uh, nagged me about it. You didn't nag me. I did nag you. You can say no, you. No, you probably did. No, Mate, I, no, I, must did. I think I emailed you a handful of times. I saw you at events. I was, I was, I was, I was always polite. I hope, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have said no. Of course. No, of course, of course. But I mean, it's interesting because you've said in the past that you're not really into physical media yourself. No. Yeah. You listen did so that, that's the crazy thing that's why it was such a such a surprise that uh, all uh, uh, like vinyls and CDs and even mini discs and cassettes are uh, doing so great I, I, I'm not into physical music at all so yeah it's a completely different world for me but I mean I'm so happy that you asked me and that we did it so it turned out great it really did I think I, I, I can remember the days of when the first Reflections release on Urban Road and oh, yeah. it was really only available at night arcade events yeah. and so it was super rare everybody wanted one um, there would be people were trying to grab it and then I think you did an event in London where you guys brought some over I was, I was there like, I'm going to go grab yeah. one of those you, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. had that one that's where I met Jordy the first time yeah yep yeah I think it was the same for me actually yeah Josh and, uh, I was, yeah, well, was there I think as well it was, yeah. was it Clapham yeah, Josh Clapham Grand was, uh, Clapham Grand. Yeah, shouts That's to Steve yeah, from Outland. Yeah, that was a yep. great was show. Outland. That was a great show. It was. But it was like that That album was everyone's kind of, um, everyone's holy grail that they were yeah. searching for and until it was available online. And then at that point, it just sold out like crazy. But yeah. I can remember thinking, well, there was no other way of getting it unless it was a, because the, the website wasn't really up and running at that time. Oh, uh, um, yeah. They were just yeah, starting out. Yeah, but then you fast forward... What's that now? Five five years or so, and the, uh, the, yes. the synthwave vinyl market's gone crazy. Well, it's, it's it's paying for his meals for sure, yeah. isn't hey, it? So he's, steady he's doing now. all right. Steady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got my um, copy of the sign, my signed copy of Reflections from that night on the wall. Now I won't turn, oh, I won't really? move my computer around because it'll make loads of noise. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a great night. It was the first live synthwave event I ever went to. Oh, cool. That was it? Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a really good night. Really good night. Yeah. Yeah, so just on the on the sort of area of, of live events, and obviously this sort of touches on running in the dark and how you'd um, produce those for live events. I, I was kind of interested in how, number one, how you found that transition in the first place from creating music, which sounds like it was just a kind of you know as a hobby that was that was something that you were enjoying doing on, as a as a side piece. Then how it where the kind of market came for for the request for you to do live because you know you've You've toured the US, you know. You, you've done quite a, you've done a fair bit of it. I think I was just interested yeah. to know where that, where that, how that transition happened, and you know how how you felt about it the first time, really. Yeah, um, well, I think it was right after I released my very first album, uh, uh, Childhood Memories, and uh, this guy from from Holland, from The Hague. He uh, uh, sent me a message that uh, he, he was doing events in the in the Hague here. 
And um, he asked me if I wanted to, to, to do the live shows. And uh, at first I said, no, this is just a, a fun thing for me. I don't feel comfortable and uh, this is not for me. But he just kept on asking. He kept on asking. And um, in the end, I was like, yeah, well, why not? Let's give it a try. I'll, I'll buy a laptop, get Ableton Live and see if I... Uh, if I enjoy playing live, and uh, I did my first show, and it was totally, totally crazy. It was uh, really busy, but I didn't notice anything around me. I didn't <laughs> know what time I came on, didn't know what time I finished. Uh, uh, in the end, I heard, or like a day after, uh, I heard there were people dancing behind me, but I never saw them. I was so focused and so nervous. So, um, yeah, that was a crazy experience, but, um, yeah, it, it was, I was happy that I did it in the end. And, uh, yeah, I, I felt like, uh, I, I wanted to make some songs that, uh, uh, were, uh, uh, special or like exclusive to my live shows. And, mm. um, yeah, some of the songs on uh, running in the dark, uh, were made like that. And um, then I came with uh, Dimensions, uh, which was like a tutorial for uh, Sonic Academy, uh, where I explained how the, how I made the track and yeah things like that. And then I thought, okay, why not why not release it as an uh, as an EP? And uh, yeah, that's how would uh, how it was born. It's crazy that that's the origin story for Dimensions, like that. Yeah, I think that might be my favorite. Uh, individual oh, time cop track and i i followed that or i i certainly remember reading the stuff about that tutorial because oh, yeah. the video and on youtube the video is like someone's got led lights on them they're skiing down a like a, yeah. a, a slope and it's, it's yeah there's something captivating about that like again yeah I'm, I'm, I'm unable to disassociate that image from it but yeah, yeah quite imagine just to think that could have been just left for, for only yeah. students of this like this tutorial people looking to get into this kind of electronic production and we would have been starved of it and i saw <laughs> comments i've seen comments over the last couple of days with people saying finally i'll have dimensions yeah. on vinyl so yeah and i thought people would would have forgotten about running in the dark i mean it hasn't done so well uh, uh, as other uh, as other eps but yeah apparently dimensions is something special indeed and it's it's really great that we're able to do it now so uh, thank you again for that but i think people are quite excited to hear it's got an most of the tracks are quite upbeat um for people yeah. of anyone who's ever seen you play live there's almost certainly they're going to have heard one or more of those tracks played yeah um and it's like you know it's like martin was saying before you not everyone looks back on the back catalog they see what comes in their inbox there and then they listen to that they love that but they don't necessarily yeah. explore back but they'll have heard these tracks and i think it's nice to showcase it with new art uh tom yeah. from uh, tom ockham's laser designed that cover art and it's really nice as well it brings it it looks yeah. nice brings it, it kind yeah, of it a, a new life as well and yeah i think i think that's i mean it's yeah you know interesting that it's, it's more upbeat perhaps than some of your other stuff as well but yeah. yeah people are excited Jordy. people are excited oh, about friday good to hear nice nice it's gonna go in a snap as well isn't it you know it well yeah, yeah. Be, i should probably be say excited at five pass and upset by quarter pass i should say at this point <laughs> that we have got two variants and we have got a thousand copies available at the point of sale so that should be enough it might not yeah. be we can always repress more we never want to leave people we don't create full scarcity it's just 
my lockup can only fit so many records in it at one time. <laughs> and it's always hard yeah. to judge. There's a lot of money invested, and we know that vinyl cues are like six to nine months long now, so things aren't as yeah, quick and straightforward crazy. as they used to be. But um, Is it still that bad? With it's the, getting better. The it's, it's getting better. Oh, it's getting better. Yeah, if you want to talk oh. offline about your new EP, we can oh, yeah. chat after. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> um, I've got a question for you, which kind of fits into what you were, you know, uh, where you're going with the future and, and perhaps, you know, your new EP, but that's more instrumental. But you're, you've worked with, so this is the questions from Rob, Rob Dyson from Forever Synth. He's, he's on the panel sometimes with this pod as well. He's part of the team. Um, he wanted to ask about, you know, he used the word muse. So you work with Josh a lot over the years and you've worked with a lot of collaborators, but there's something yeah. about the collaboration with Josh that you've kept coming back to. I guess he was kind yeah. of interested in, it, it, what is it about that relationship that you think works and how did it come about? And, you know, maybe because he, he has a very distinctive kind of style, Josh. Yeah. And I, yeah. Perhaps you can tell us a bit about that relationship. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't even remember how we, we got in touch the first time. I think it was through SoundCloud that he sent me a message and I was working on Reflection back then. And uh, uh, you, you wanted me to send him some, some ideas of tracks. And uh, yeah, then Let's Talk was made in the end. But yeah, Josh is just a great musician, singer, of course. But as a musician, he's so, so great. He, he just... Um, Without uh, uh, maybe talking, we know what the other one's feeling about a track, and uh, uh, we get the best out of each other, I think. And I mean, with other uh, collaborators, uh, I've worked together flawlessly as well, and they're they've been great too. But with Josh, it's just something special, and he's always up uh, uh, for working with me or with other people. So yeah, he's just a great guy, great musician. And we work together really well. So it's clear yeah. that your sounds complement each other, definitely. And I remember seeing the the show you did where you were supporting FM eighty four. I can't remember oh, yeah. the venue. Yeah, um, I think it was uh, in it London was, as well. Yeah, it was uh, something Brixton, electric, electric, electric Brixton. Brixton. Yeah, that one. Yeah, huge yeah. venue. Yeah, yeah, it was. And there is no doubt mm -hmm. that having that kind of extra element of live performance, so whether it's a singer or a guitarist, or in Josh's case, yeah. both, it really does add something visually on the stage. And I can Definitely. see why you're looking at sort of building a live performance that works with him as a regular partner, as a regular yeah. team kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look at FM84 with Olive Ride. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to compare myself with them, because Ollie and Cole or something else, but yeah, it just works. It's uh, uh, when I'm on stage just by myself, then yeah, it, I don't feel comfortable. First of all, but yeah, second, it might not be as interesting. And with Josh as a as a singer and a guitarist, it's just an, an element that adds a lot, and which I really love to do in the future. So yeah, I'm happy that uh, he wants to do it as well. Mm. It the, the mention of um, of FM and Ollie it reminds me of um, I was lucky enough for that night in oh, it must have been about three or four years in Brooklyn where I think it was oh, a midnight yeah. show the midnight, and yeah. it was the midnight and it was you and it was Nikki Flores and it was Ollie and it was yeah. FM all on all that on the stage at the same bill. time and I can remember thinking 
probably not going to see a show like this again. So I was mm-hmm. pretty tipsy at the time. But I remember I got, got <laughs> oh, a few pictures. Me too. Of <laughs> you too? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so you got everyone in a, in a row, and I thought there's no way you're going to get all these guys in a room at the same time. But particularly with Nikki being there, like it, it was. Yeah, yeah it, for that, sure. that was one of those. That was one it of those huge crazy. highlights. That that was a really special moment. Yeah, yeah, amazing. it just lined up because Cole had a show uh, like the day after in mm-hmm. Brooklyn as well, and uh, uh, me and the Midnight had the show. And Tim from the Midnight, he just asked us all if we wanted to join them on stage for for the last song, and we all said yes. And it was wow. absolutely amazing. So special, yeah. Um, we've got some questions that have come from. Uh, followers of um, of Time Slave, and I'm going to start with this one's linked to what we were just talking about, actually, um, from Desperio, mm-hmm. who asks, "My question would have been, what was it like to work with Tim and Tyler from The Midnight?" Yeah, that's been a dream ever since I heard them for the first time, and uh, um, I, I don't remember how we got in touch, actually. But um, they were working on uh, the Nocturnal EP yeah, of theirs, yeah, mm. yeah. and um, uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't remember. But we we started talking about uh, uh, working on a track together, and um, uh, they uh, asked me to, to send them some ideas. Then I sent them the first idea for uh, a River of Darkness, and uh, it was just a basic melody. And uh, uh, Tim started working on that, and uh, we had a instrumental, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I said uh, I definitely want Tyler's uh, uh, voice on it as well because at first uh, Tim wasn't planning on doing that, and I said, yeah, we definitely need uh, uh, Tyler's voice on there as, as well. Then it'd be a full the Midnight Trek uh, uh, with me as a as a featured artist, and um, then he sent me the first version with the saxophone on it and mm. with Tyler's voice, and there was such, yeah such an amazing feeling that. It sounded so much better than the idea that I had at first. It, it, of course, the, the 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 basics were still there, the melody, but uh, what Tim and Tyler added to it, and uh, uh, with the saxophone as well, it's just amazing, amazing. I mean, you've you've done. A, we've said this before. You've done a lot of collaborations, like apart yeah. from Josh and apart from the Midnight. Who have you enjoyed the most and uh, to work with? And do you have like a preference for? I imagine in the last couple of years, certainly, you'd have been sending files backwards and forwards. Have you ever worked with anyone face-to-face in the studio together? Never. Wow. Okay. Never. Yeah, wow. that's the craziest thing. And before touring, I, I never met anyone I worked with uh, uh, as well. So that's totally crazy that we can work on something together like this over the internet and never even see somebody. But yeah, it's... I, I mean, I've I, uh, worked with a lot of people, I liked them all, and of course there's some songs that never came out with vocals as well, and yeah, I, I just tell the people honestly uh, yeah, why I'm not choosing to, to release it, but uh, uh, mostly it's just whenever I uh, uh, work with somebody, I send them my files, it's instantly, it's, it's great, it's, yeah, it's crazy that it works like that. And then I suppose when you go on tour, you must just have to re- get a rehearsal space for a couple of days beforehand, and then 
Yeah, yeah, you should, and <laughs> yeah, but I never did actually. It's just people uh, uh, that sang on it, rehearsed at home or in the, in the studio, straight into the sound check, just like that. Yeah, yeah. The Christ. first rehearsal was at the sound check, and that's something I've been talking to with Josh as, as well. And especially if we're doing like this full uh, uh, full show, then we definitely need to do some proper rehearsals. Yeah. Like a rent a rent a studio or a, 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 yeah a venue yeah. and do some rehearsals, but as, uh, until now it, it has been great. I mean the the people that I worked with are so talented that they can just go on stage and perform. So uh, well, that, yeah. that that was going to be my point because I think there was a um, this is this is going back some way now. I think I I saw you in Darmstadt in Germany oh, yeah. for the Miami. You do travel a lot, Miami. Martin, don't you? Yeah, I you do. Man. Quite, I used to get around. There, 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 there was definitely a year where I think I went. You to and most Charlie of your just go to yeah, right. around. Yeah, but um, but Dana Jean was there, and I, if I remember rightly, I think you did Dreams together. And yeah, yeah, Dana's yeah. one of those people where you can tell it was there was no need to practice it. She would have just jumped yeah, yeah. up. She would have remembered all the lyrics. Yeah. You know that that yeah. that was years and years and years after you guys made that made yeah. that track. But she makes it look, but you both make it look, just look super easy, right? No, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy. While well, Dana Jean is so talented, and she's been a professional musician for so long, so yeah, I, mm. I never uh, uh, doubted if she was able to do it live, and yeah. But it's always a little, uh, well, how do you say it? Uh, you always have to, to 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 see how it turns out. But yeah, like I said, uh, until now, everything's been great. So I'm you know, happy with that. Cool, man. Well, that question was from Stu, uh, Stu Mosford. Um, so thanks for that question, Stu. My personal favourite, I've had this, I have visions of this. This would work so well. I don't know about you, Martin, what you think. Iverson singing, Josh Iverson singing on Time Cop would be just oh, unreal. Yeah. Like I've I've thought about this so many times in the past. I have to. I, I'm sure you know. I think you know, told me. As I well. think we did. Yeah, I was doing those things. Yeah. Everyone's so busy. Maybe we haven't pushed it before. But man, if you, I really think that you're, he would compliment your sound so well, or the boys would compliment mm. your sound so well, and they play Definitely. live as well. And they'd probably be good enough to just jump on stage with you. Yeah, something. To I'm, all, I'm up for I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm touting it. Yeah, let me push that one anyway. Uh, yeah. we, got, we got another good. question. Um, Blair Carlton. This is a good question. Which one of your albums are you most proud of? Um, I think uh, Night Drive. That's the one that I like most. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, uh, every every song that I worked with uh, uh, with people on it, it's it's great. Uh, but uh, I think Night Drive is just the, the the best for me. Yeah, and especially with the song with the midnight and um, uh, with the the bad dreamers on it. Back yeah. to you. Yeah, that is a change. And on the run. The, mm. Those songs have been doing really, really well. And it's not that, that I... Sorry, what? No, go on, go on, go on. Sorry. Oh, no, yeah. I was going to say that it's not that I'm basing it on the success of the album, but I just like the sound of it. And it isn't as dreamy, but still a little dreamy. And yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a, a good there, combination. There's something in your signature sound, if there can be such a thing, that if, if you hear the first few bars, and I, I know it's one of your songs... And I appreciate that there'll be more dreamy stuff, there'll be faster and slower stuff, and there'll be the slightly darker stuff like Night Drive. But I think there's yeah. something in your signature sound. I mean, I know a lot of people, we had a lot of people asking, so I won't attribute this question to anyone specifically, but quite a few people were asking, like, what's your process? Like, how do you, how do you like, have such a consistent uh, vibe? Yeah. Well, it's just, 
uh, um, I use the same instruments a lot, the same patches uh, uh, of those instruments. And um, one might say uh, uh, everything, it makes everything sound the same. Um, but yeah, I, I just see it as my signature sound. And uh, um, So like Juno, yeah, Juno emulators, for example, like a Tal, the Tal. Yeah. Tell I use a lot. Uh, um, I use a lot of uh, um, uh, a, a JX8P emulator called PG8X. It's a, a free soft synth. It's making notes. Which I making notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's in every song that I do, and um, which uh, uh, Zebra I use a lot by Yui Diva. So mostly they're all uh, emulators of old school analog uh, synthesizers. Do you own any and, uh, old school analog synthesizers? Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe a bit too much. Uh, <laughs> like, There's definitely something behind I can you. See some okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is a list. Yeah, this is a there. listening experience for people. But if we describe yeah, oh, what's yeah, yeah. behind Geordie, there's, well, there's behind some kit me, there. Yeah, there's a Moog uh, Voyager. Nice. A Lisa's uh, Andromeda, and uh, yeah, it's, I have t- 25 uh, hardware synthesizers, <laughs> so it's gotten a bit out of hand. <laughs> Oh, but like it's a brother, nice hobby. My brother with his guitars. <laughs> yep. Wow. But do you yeah. do you incorporate them into your into your albums as well? Do you play live or and then chart uh, um, MIDI perhaps and? Well, with MIDI, of course, yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, not as much because I, I always find like recording hardware synthesizers uh, a bit time-consuming because every every uh, time I want to change something, yeah, you just have to re-record it, edit mm. it, and yeah, yeah, maybe even remake the patch. So it's I would say it's like ninety percent uh, software and ten percent uh, uh, yeah, uh, hardware gear. And you're an FL Studio or, guy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in FL Studio still. Awesome. But with and that's a... something that people say it's not professional, no. you should switch and whatever, but it's something that I've known for so long. I've been working with it ever since the, the very first version, so I know it inside out and yeah. I can do my uh, stuff. I, I think I've found most people that use FL swear by FL. And yeah. I, know it's got its, I know it's got its limitations or pe- pe- people have their issues with it, but those that love it, love it. Yeah, just that's happy it. To kind of crack on and keep keep using yep. it in the way they, in the way they do. I found FL Studio much more intuitive making beats and stuff, like setting up patterns in the early days. And I used to yeah. use it to make jungle and hardcore tracks, like you know, like oh, early awesome. rave style tracks. That was something I was really into. But I find Logic is much easier to uh, to work with now for that kind of thing. And so I've ended up transferring most of my work, especially because my brother and I do quite a lot of vaporwave production. I, I transferred yeah. most of my workflow to Logic these days because we can work more easily between you know sharing projects with each other. But but yeah. I love I, I still love FL Studio. I'm not sure if I can remember it like the back of my hand anymore, but. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, in the end, it, it all does the same, but like in Logic, it, it's a, a little more uh, a better sounding and it's a little more uh, streamlined and everything, especially when you're working with audio, like external audio. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, whatever you use, if the music sounds good, it sounds good, I always say, so it doesn't matter what you use. Cool. Well, I think you've kind of answered Apollo 1138's question as well. That's then. what so I that's, was about to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll let, Martin, I'll let you ask this one. This one's a, this one's a cracking question, I think. The Sea Otter 85 question. Yeah. So someone who I'd like to think was probably influenced by your name, Sea Otter 85, uh, <laughs> asks, uh, which vocalist from the 80s, dead or alive today, would you have most wanted to work with on a song or even produce an album for them? Oh, wow. 
That's a really, really hard question. Uh, I think, uh, not especially from the 80s, but Michael Jackson is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites still. And yeah, it would be amazing to, to work with him. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Michael Jackson, yeah. It's a good answer, to be fair. It's yeah. not an easy question. Let's be honest. No, it's not. No, you can't, we've thrown you under the bus there. We've, we've put you right yeah. on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, no. I guess, I mean, the one thing that I would, might have expected you to say, or I think that works quite well as a comparison, is Josh Daly with the kind of like Brian Adams kind yeah, of oh, yeah. reference or, or comparison, I think works. But Yeah. The, people say that a lot, that it sounds, your voice sounds like He's got like kind Brian of a gravelly Adams. voice, isn't he? It's a powerful, yeah. gravelly, like soft rock voice. That's, yeah. that's how I envisage it. It reminds me of some of the records my mum used to play when I was younger. Like, he doesn't sound like the Eagles, but I can imagine him kind of yeah. transplanted nice and easily into that kind of adult-orientated rock style stuff. You listen to a lot yeah. of that, Martin, don't you? Like, I quite like my, um, my yacht rock. And, M-O-R. And my yeah, yacht, yacht rock's yeah. amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's um, it's it, Well, it's timeless, isn't it? And you never... It, it's from a certain period where... I'm not going to say everything in that period was good, but it's all pretty agreeable. You know, I've, I, a lot of my record collection is the, kind of the Michael McDonald's and around that sort of time because oh. that's just that's just lovely music on a Saturday morning just to slide on and and just leave it be. REO Speedwagons, another one as well, oh, yeah. like that oh, yeah. sort of that sort of era of um, of music. And there's loads of um, there 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 are a few artists out there. I think this is why I we, we we're going off piece a little bit here, but sort of artists like Yate being influenced by that side of yeah. the. 70s and 80s is creating not necessarily synth way but creating 80s inspired music which is nothing like we've heard before it doesn't go down that kind of electronic route as much as it goes down the idea of the um yacht rock adult orientated yeah. piece and, and there's there's room for everybody but that but that's kind there, of so. definitely yeah I, I was gonna on the yacht yeah on the, yeah on the there's yacht. room for everybody. it depends how big the yacht is but yeah i think so yeah there's definitely room on the yacht for everyone uh, it kind of leads me to because obviously we're going to ask you what you think of the future of the scene, but the fact that Martin's just touched on it there, there's so many different styles and subgenres. The the breadth of um, of approaches that people are taking to making what we call collectively synthwave is so wide. I mean, where do you see the the future of the scene? Yeah, I, I, I think it's great that there's so many styles that it's ever expanding, and uh, but sometimes I can't even keep up myself and that's another part of it but i think it's just great that there's so many people making synthwave now and and like you said there's room for everyone it's still a pretty tight scene um but it's getting bigger and bigger and i think it's it's a it's a great evolution i love it when I when we started recording the pod, I said about I was in I was visiting my friend Cole from Retro Reverb Records in Palermo. Oh, yeah. He lives in Sicily, and we went into a, a trainer shop. I needed to get some flip flops for the for the beach, and I heard one of your tracks playing in this sports no. shop there. And I was what? just thinking, like that's quite like you know, even in itself, you know, like we said about like, people like Survive getting picked up for the Stranger Things soundtrack, but just yeah. walking into a JD Sports or its equivalent in Palermo. It's real good it's consumer crazy, music, Jordi. It made me spend yeah. I spent more money on flip flops than I've ever spent before. I think All right. I need to we need to we need to like hone this and start speaking to shopkeepers. So I think it puts yeah. you in the right frame of mind to just part with your money. 
<laughs> well, if they part with their money as well, then yeah, then for I'll... sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, just, no, of course. Just play half the track. I yeah. wonder. Track. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if they licensed it from somewhere or whether they just had their Spotify um, account. Yeah. So you know, wow. it's either one stream or a better a better kind of revenue. I'm not sure. You maybe yeah, you'll be able no, to look yeah. into your accounts and find out. But, but yeah, it's, but it's e- crazy that they play. But, but, yeah. but, but e- either way, it's nice, isn't it? Like you say, you're away from home, you're in a foreign city, and then suddenly you, you pick up some music that you know and you like, and you think actually, it's, 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 I've I've had similar where I was in a restaurant in Soho having dinner, and then midnight came on. And yeah. it was just bizarre. But you know, it, 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 it's not as um, out there as Palermo, but it's it, it's creeping its way in here and there, which I like yep. to see. It it is. It's crazy. I was in uh, Thailand uh, two years ago, and uh, I was on a boat. I did an introduction uh, dive lesson, and uh, I started talking to the to the uh, instructor, and we talked about music. And uh, somehow synthwave came up, and he said, "I listen to a lot of synthwave." And I was like, "Oh, maybe you know me. I'm Tom Cop 1983." And he was like, "What? No, I listen to your music all the time. That's crazy. Like in Thailand, there's a diving instructor that listens to synthwave and to my music." <laughs> but it's mad because we obviously pack up all of the records that we sell for you. So when I do the spreadsheets, like this is. Really boring i can't believe i'm talking about excel spreadsheets but when we put together the the kind of list of places that we're sending records to it's far-flung territories you're selling records to fans all over the world and you know this it's a scene that's kind of been born in the internet age it's bridges the gap between these far-flung places and that's quite incredible in itself it definitely is i mean if it wasn't for the internet then we all three wouldn't be anywhere yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Very we're, true. We're still working on our government jobs, and <laughs> don't don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Long live time safe recordings and this wonderful yeah. hobby that has become a job. Wow. Yep. And thank you, Geordie, for your part in helping it become real. <laughs> well, thank you for, for helping uh, part of it, and uh, Martin, of course, as well in making my dream come true. Uh, see, he's a nice, he's he's a lovely guy. Everyone, everyone knows you're a lovely guy anyway. But mm-hmm. I think it's um, yeah. it's always testament to the the you're a very humble guy as well, Jordan. Yeah. So um, yeah, and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything mm-hmm. you wanted to get off your chest before we wrap things up? Any news you wanted to give to your fans or any shouts you wanted to make for people? No, yeah, I mean, uh, Running in the Dark is coming out soon, so hopefully people will like that on vinyl. And um, yeah, the, the Multiverse EP that I'm working on that I hope to release the end of August. Perfect. So uh, hopefully people can wait a little bit. But yeah, I still have a lot to do to finish it. So um, yeah, I, I, I hope it, it will be the best sounding album or EP that I've produced because I put so much time into it. And yeah, hope hopefully it shows. Well, I know people will be dying to hear it. So perhaps when you've got some tracks that are ready for public air and you can um, send a couple our way and we can give them a bit of a a play for for listeners of the pod. But thanks again, Geordie. Always, always appreciated. Hope that we'll see you perhaps later this year at live events. um, We'll be in touch. And um, yeah, just just, uh, great to catch up. Yeah, likewise. Thank you again as well. It's been great talking to you. Future 
And that was our interview with Geordie, a.k.a. Time Cop 1983. Don't forget, this Friday on the 1st of July, we've got Running in the Dark out on Time Save Recordings at 5pm UK. There are two vinyl vans. We've got cassette. We've got mini disc. Um, it's a classic album, so make sure you're there at 5pm. No complaints. We will repress if it sells out quickly, so don't worry too much. But um, yeah, as ever with Time Cop vinyl, it's best to get in early just in case. Moving on from that, we have, well, we touched on this earlier on, um, OSCs. Uh, he, he kind of um, introduced me to this guy, Neverman. I'd never, I'd not heard of him before. Super talented producer. Mm. They work together. They're, they're, they have um, really like, it's it's quite an intimate collaboration. Symbiotic. They, they work very closely together. Yeah, yeah, they really are very much so. And um, Steve OSC was saying to us, you have to listen to this guy. This guy is so talented. Um, this album's an absolute banger, and that was the last one that we did with him, Gentleman. But um, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to work with him again on the, the upcoming album. But he's got a really cool track, which is out now with Dana Jean Phoenix. Um, Rob, you've you've played it. Did you put it on the? Was this featured on the? Forever it was, Saints it was. And I played this version. There's another. There's a B-side version, uh, like the Silk remix, which OSC so he sort of steps away it, away from the 80s and done a sort of distinctively 70s sound to it. But the the main uh, radio edit is is this one that you're going to play. Um, yes, and it was on the Reference and New Release playlist. It's, it's great, man. Everything Dana Jean does is is fantastic. She's got such a great vocal, so strong and clear and clean. Well, let's play out this week with a new track from Neverman featuring Dana Jean Phoenix. This is Living Without You. This wasn't how I thought this night was. 